Welcome to the Macworld Podcast, episode 461, for June 17th, 2015. We're brought to you this week by Igloo Software and Red Hat. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. We've got news about news this week. We're going to talk about Apple's newly announced news app for iOS 9 with two special guests. Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld, is out with laryngitis this week, but we have some pinch hitters. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and joining me today is Jason Snell, the proprietor of Six Colors, the more color columnist at Macworld and host of the Incomparable Podcast Network. Hello, Jason. Hi, Glenn. It's good to be back on the Macworld Podcast. I was going to say, your voice should be a familiar one to folks who've been listening for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, this, like, yeah, episode 4,000, 400, exactly. something like that. Uh, and I also am joined by Tom Standage, the deputy editor of The Economist, who is in charge of its digital strategy. Hello, Tom. Hello, Glenn. It's good to be here for the first time in my case. Ah, that's good. Well, and come, and come back. And it's I, when I saw the news app announced as part of the keynote, my immediate reaction. And we saw the Economist, uh, you know, in that in that big slide showing all the launch partners. My reaction was, all right. I know Tom will have the the skinny on this because you're both a uh, a reporter, an editor, and a digital strategist. So you're kind of at the nexus of all these things, and you're in charge of having you know managed and created multiple apps for the Economist. And this is a new beast. Um, my first reaction was, oh, thank God, Newsstand is dead. It was like my albatross, you know, I'm walking around like, no, you know, bring out your... <laughs> you have been fighting the good fight against Newsstand for quite a while. Yes, it's true. And um, uh, uh, one of the consequences of this, yes, is that indeed Newsstand has, is dead and all the things in Newsstand, Newsstand turns into a folder and the, uh, the apps inside it turn into nor normal apps again. And uh, there is, uh, I won't say much jubilation at this, but certainly there are many people like you very pleased about this. Well, it feels like newsstand fell between the cracks when the between uh, Johnny Ive taking over uh, the interface setup for uh, iOS. That that newsstand was introduced with iOS six. There was a lot of fanfare. It was very skeuomorphic. I mean, it's like heavily so. And then it's like, oh no, we're going flat. And the newsstand just fell. It under. just got stuck. Yeah, that's true. So obviously, it wasn't getting a lot of love lately. But I think you know the original idea of it was that um, Apple wanted to have a. Uh, you know, there was there's clearly a big discoverability problem with with apps on the App Store. There's a bazillion of them, and uh, with with uh, news apps, at least, then you could you could put all the news apps that you were using in one place, and you'd be able to find them all together. And you know, in theory, if they'd sort of continued to invest in it, they could have made it into something you know more than it was. So uh, I think they wanted to uh, they wanted to privilege news apps in a particular way, but they ended up uh, you know doing the opposite. People felt that this was hiding their apps away. Um, and originally, you know, if you wanted to um, if you wanted to charge subscription. I think you had to go into Newsstand. I don't think we had a lot of choice about this originally. I can't remember the, the details, but certainly uh, it's been the case that for the past uh, year at least, uh, if you want to launch an app that uh, is a subscription news product, the requirement that it go into Newsstand is no longer there. And when we launched Espresso last year, our daily app, uh, you know, we were not required to put it in uh, in Newsstand. So uh, that was a sign that, um, you know, clearly Apple was not in enforcing rules about this in the way that it was when Newsstand first appeared. That's my recollection, too, is that in iOS 6, there were, I think, someone enumerated this. I think it was the fellow behind the Ritchie uh, platform. There are like seven unique attributes that newsstand apps had in iOS 6 that other apps couldn't take advantage of. And some of those were like a, a replacing the cover each week. So the app would have the cover of a periodical. And some were uh, taking an Atom feed to update 
the contents to actually push content into the App Store without having to manually edit it and background downloading a bunch of things. And that was all iOS 6. And and if you want it, and I think you're right, I think it was uh, in-app subscriptions that were of a particular type. They were like non-consumable, recurring, uh, downloadable something had to be in the newsstand. And we obviously we wanted to be we wanted to make it easy for people to you know find and subscribe. Um, and there were these other incentives like background downloading, which we thought would increase. Um, uh, you know, p- people coming back to the app, it would be more convenient and so on. But anyway, uh, you know, I think it's, we should celebrate the fact that uh, <laughs> it, uh, Apple, has, Apple has tried many things over the years and they don't always work out. And, you know, we go, we give them a try and then they are big enough to say, you know what, Ping was a disaster. We'll give up on that. Or CyberDog, remember that? I mean, you know, uh, there, there have been many, there have been many things that Apple has tried. People, places and things. Was that, was that a thing? It was for a bit in like OS 8 or something. Anyway, never mind. Um, so, Let's just add it to that pile of, uh, of you know, maybe not glorious failures, but, uh, but you know, things they tried and th- they were able to say, it didn't work, we'll move on. Well, and I think that's the, uh, that's the thing that changed. This is what was really confusing at the announcement, I thought, was it's the newsstand died, but they didn't talk about it, of course, because they don't like, they like to bury their, their dead without talking about it. So newsstand is dead. The folder becomes a normal folder in iOS 9 and all your news apps are in it. News apps are not being replaced by the news app. There will still be the Economist app, the Espresso app, the New York Times, uh, if the magazine persisted, the magazine app, Macworld app. Those will continue to exist with their own parameters like apps. The news app replaces, doesn't really replace newsstand. It's a different beast and that, well it that's... could do i i wonder if it will though. i think for some publications um i mean i don't i mean you'd need to have an advertising model that worked really well but i think there are going to be some publications that do have advertising based models that do not want the cost and complexity of supporting an app and think that they can you know basically get enough page views inside the news app I and mean, we will have to see when the app comes out but it's possible that at the margin there are going to be some publications that say this is in fact a viable alternative to an app for us so um so i, I i'm not sure about that in our case it's not because we have a subscription-based model. So given that there's no support for subscriptions in the news app, uh, we don't see this as a, as a substitute. We see this as a way of reaching people with our content, with our journalism, and putting our you know the excellence of what we do in front of people who otherwise wouldn't see it. And that's an enormous opportunity that we're very keen to take, care, keen to take advantage of. But um, ultimately, we hope that it will lead people to go and uh, you know read our, our journalism on our website or in our apps and some of them will subscribe to it. So that's our um, incentive to, to going in this. But I think, you know, that it's possible that different models will will work within the within the news app. And, you know, if people actually use it in large numbers, it could be quite a serious uh, place to, to, to launch things in future. Yeah, and I think it's, the, it's that news apps don't, uh, I think I misstated that because news apps don't uh, go away. That is, you can continue to use news apps. You're not obliged to use a news app. And, and Jason, as an independent publisher, of six colors and someone who uh, developed and uh, and built the digital strategy for Macworld and IDG Consumer and Small Business for decades. How do you feel about the the news app as opposed to news apps? Well, I mean, there's so much. The the news look newsstand was a mistake where Steve Jobs got wowed by uh, a couple of tech demos and said, <laughs> "Oh, this is the future. Every magazine and newspaper will build their own amazingly complicated and expensive app," which was never going to happen. 
and uh, and so newsstand was so problematic that small publishers were spending huge amounts of money or or creating substandard experiences. Um, so at the time, I kept thinking it would be nice if they would create iBooks for you know for magazines and newspapers essentially and have some sort of standard format. So that's sort of what we get with news, and I think it's interesting. The problem is that the way the way Apple's approaching it is essentially saying whatever your business model is on the web, you don't get to have that business model here. <laughs> you, you can whatever you give away for free in RSS. We'll let you display and you can create things in the new Apple News format and you can make money off of those, but they have to use iAd as the as the advertising format. Now, to Apple's credit, I think something I would never have expected from them, they are willing to give publishers 100% of the revenue from ads they sell and put into iAd, and then the rest of the ads, if there's more traffic than than has been sold, I guess go through iAd. I'm unclear on exactly how all of that is going to work and whether as a pub- independent publisher I could put things in there and take my sponsors and say, "Look, just give this run of voice for the week at 100% um, or whether uh, that's not how iAd wants to do it. It's interesting. It's almost like a. Uh, uh, I'm not sure whether they're trying to get people used to iAd so that then they say, "Oh, iAd is great. I'll use it more." Or whether this is sort of a repositioning, repurposing of iAd into you know make yourself useful iAd. Um, I'm not cl- clear which one it is, but it's certainly blowing up existing web business models. And if if news took over and all news reading that happened on iOS happened in the news app, it would be a difficult situation, I think, for publishers because essentially what they want is an ad-free experience on lots of articles and this iAd experience on uh, the ones that are custom-made in the Apple News format, which they're also using as leverage to get people to build in content in the Apple News format because that's the only way you can you can make money from your content. And we don't yet know what Apple News format is. Well, Tom, Tom's seen it. You know what it is, but it's, they haven't announced the, uh, the spec yet. No, uh, uh, the spec is um, uh, you you wrap up your content as a JSON, um, and uh, you know that's uh, so basically comes out of what is the format of that. And uh, you'll have seen from the demo that you know it is possible to um, you can basically package the style and the content separately. So the style sheet that is applied to your articles can include things like your own fonts. Um, so you'll have seen the New York Times stories and things like that clearly use their their own font. So um, you know it's 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 uh, it's not actually that hard, I don't think, to um, uh, to produce things in this format. Um, and I think the format's still a, a little bit fluid, but uh, but it's not a huge amount of work to uh, to add something that wraps up your content in the right way um, and sends it off to Apple. I should point out to you for listeners, Jason is not Jason Snell, who's with us. No, today. no, no, Jason, sorry, sorry. I am not no, a format. <laughs> not yet. Robot or not, Jason. Mm. Uh, JavaScript object notation, Jason. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's called a lightweight data interchange format. And it's just a way of taking uh, information and packaging in a way that was easy. Uh, there are libraries so that JavaScript can, uh, and now uh, every other kind of software can unpackage it and, and load things back into multiple uh, value out arrays and so forth. It's, it's a very standard interchange format. That's So it's not a big deal. The, this is the thing that came out, I think, two people uh, immediately suspicious, and rightly so, based on the past. Um, on Twitter, I started talking about this during the day because I feel like you know, Apple started posting the fact and information. And I said, oh, okay, well, this is not going to be that big a deal. People said, what? You're going to be locked into an Apple format? I'm like, no, you'll make a change to your CMS, your content management system. And instead of emitting RSS or HTML or some other format, it's going to emit JSON. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we've done. So we're mm-hmm. adding a checkbox to our CMS that says, send this story to Apple. Um, and that's it. That's 
that's the dream. Now, in terms of but the IAD uh, situation, so the Economist is in a, uh, I would say you have a, a not unique but a rare experience is that uh, you've spoken publicly about this before that uh, advertising is not like it's a rounding error by any means, but the Economist is primarily focused on, on loyalty, on getting people to subscribe and become regular readers, and that the advertising is less important to you than having uh, having sustainable uh, subscription base. Yeah, essentially our business model is very simple, which is the readers pay us for the journalism, and uh, we then sell <laughs> we sell advertising alongside that as well, but most of the revenue comes from, from readers directly, uh, and that's a very nice model, because when advertising plummets, or when advertising moves from print to digital, um, it doesn't hurt us as much as it hurts other people. It makes us slightly less profitable for a bit, um, but, uh, but essentially it doesn't, it's not an existential threat to us. And I'm very, very happy that, you know, the proportion of our revenue from advertising is going down and down and the proportion from uh, subscriptions is going up and up. The proportion from other things is going up as well. Uh, so, you know, new forms of, uh, uh, you know, of content marketing that we're, that we're doing, um, uh, events, you know, that sort of thing, our B2B arm, all of those uh, are, are growing and it's advertising that's shrinking. Um, and uh, basically my take on all of this is that advertising is a horrible uh, business model for, <laughs> uh, from which to fund uh, any kind of news organization and it's only going to get worse and we can see it getting worse the shift to the shift to mobile means the uh you know people really hate ads even more uh the cpms are even lower obviously there's massive oversupply of inventory that's pushing cpms down already it turns out that the number of people we are using ad blocks uh, ad blocking software is not 30 percent like we thought six months ago but 50 percent uh so that's terrible as well advertisers are insisting on viewability so um rightly so <laughs> you can't just serving an ad into a web page below the fold that no one ever looks at and they've probably got an ad blocker on anyway um, is uh, is no good. They actually want evidence that the ad has been seen on the screen in full for five seconds or whatever. Uh, so all of this is making it harder and harder and harder um, to make uh, advertising work because uh, basically you're getting less money. You're, it's harder to get the ads in front of people. It's just horrible. Um, and so uh, so I think any news organisation that uh, you know is is betting on advertising its primary source of revenue, and there are quite a lot of them. Um, is is you know in in trouble and uh, one of the interesting things of the Verizon AOL takeover was that uh, it emerged that Huffington Post is still not profitable and Huffington Post is a, is a sort of news organisation that sh really ought to be able to make this business model work. They've got a lot of page views. They've got a relatively low cost of um, content because a lot of their content is given to them uh, by contributors and they can't make this model work. And I think if they can't make it work, then it's going to be even harder for the uh, for the other people uh, who are saying, no, we'll build a big audience, then we'll monetize it with advertising. Well, good luck with that because display advertising ain't going to do it. Well, that's what's funny about the, uh, maybe not the news app, but about the ecosystem is that uh, from what I can tell from all the publishers I talk to, the money is really in, in video. And I know The Economist just launched a video unit. New York Times has been very successful uh, with that. And a lot of even smaller sites do extremely well with their video. They can get uh, extremely good, uh, uh, the, the, the advertising value from delivering video because of people's attention and the ability to measure that is much higher. And then uh, Jason podcasts, podcasts have emerged this, you mm -hmm. know, it's not a huge category, but it's growing very rapidly because there's a, there's a shift from terrestrial radio. We're seeing an acceleration. We had the serial, uh, you know, stick in the sand. And, and so Jason, as a, as a podcast, as somebody who has both a news site, is uh, used to work at a giant uh, multinational corporation like IDG. <laughs> and, uh, and Very has, much like IDG. Very much, almost exactly in every mm -hmm. way, like IDG. And who is on, uh, who hosts and is on 100 podcasts. Uh, where does news app fit in terms of like your news 
where, where you think about both as a publisher, but also as a news consumer. Where does that fit in your radar? Well, it, it's tough. I mean, for all of the points that Tom just made, this is not a product that strikes me as being designed for revenue in any way for a, a news organization, right? I mean, iAd will generate some advertising revenue, but is that uh, is that really going to be something that allows you... To, if this became a huge success, I'm not sure it would be good for uh, publishers unless it's part of a larger... You know, a larger whole where in the end, you know, there is some content available here, but what we really want you to do is subscribe. And um, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I appreciate Apple trying to break the cycle in a way of increasing. You know, uh, the, the cycle right now is sort of ad rates go down, so they add more junk to pages, and then ad rates go down, so they add more junk to pages. And why does this pop up, and why is this this interstitial there, and why does this link make another thing pop up, and why does this video play when I load the page? <laughs> All of that happens because uh, publishers are continually scraping and scraping to try and get more money, not because they're greedy and they're already making huge profits, but they want to make more. In most cases, it's because the uh, efficiency of the previous ad units has gone down and now they're they need to try something new and what they tend not to do is remove the old things and then add in new things they just pile more stuff on so on on that level i think apple is basically saying and apple's not afraid to do this because what does apple care they're saying we're going to just break that we're going to create this thing that um doesn't you know we control what ads people see and the answer is it'll be an iad block and you know you you can fit the iad format you can put whatever you want in there basically but it's going to be in the limitations of that format, and uh, so you know, good for them. I think I think that's good. As a publisher, though, I just I don't think if everybody's doing their news reading inside of of the news app, I'm not I'm not really a believer that that is going to become something that is sustainable on its own. Uh, these organizations are after going to have to find other ways to to make well, revenue. Well, that, that that brings us to BuzzFeed, doesn't it? Because the uh, the whole point about I mean, this is a very similar argument to the mm. Facebook Instant Articles thing. Yeah. And generally, the the distributed content trend means that more and more content is being consumed on platforms other than the publisher's platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the question is, what business models work in that world where people don't come to your website and you can't pop up a paywall and ask them to subscribe? Um, and advertising doesn't really work. Uh, advertising doesn't work generally. Um, and the interesting thing is that the uh, the BuzzFeed model does work, which is where you don't have display ads at all. Some of the articles are in fact ads, and uh, you mix them together, and off you go. Um, and I think yeah. that's what's it's it's extremely clever. And I think obviously it's a the problem for incumbent news organisations like us is that you know we've built our brands on not mixing up editorial and advertising. Uh, BuzzFeed with a clean sheet can do it, and it's absolutely fine. And I don't I don't you know think there's anything wrong with them doing that at all. They're not uh, they're not misleading anyone, I don't think. And I think it's an extremely clever model. The other thing about them is they're not really a news organization anyway. They're actually a, an ad agency that happens to have a news organization wrapped around the outside of it to give them credibility and reach. Um, but, the, but, the, but the two fit together very well. Well, so this is like the model for uh, Bloomberg and uh, Thomson Reuters is that, you know, those are both companies that sell financial terminals and happen to have really good news divisions. Let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can thank one of our sponsors this week, Igloo. Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. It's a cloud platform that can help you do your best work, share files, blog updates, coordinate calendars, and manage projects. It's easy to use and it's easy to configure, which means even the most non-technical of users can use Igloo. Now, Igloo is built around responsive design. That means that everything you can do at your desk, you can do on the go, on your phone or your tablet, 
everything is resized automatically to the device size you're using. You don't have to use different apps or have an awkward display. This makes everything look great on all of your devices. Whether you're a large enterprise stuck using SharePoint or a fast-growing business overwhelmed by apps, you can create an intranet that matches your brand's look and feel, simplifies how you work, and is accessible on your phone. Now, you can sign up now and try it for free at igloosoftware.com slash Macworld. That's igloo, I-G-L-O-O, software.com slash Macworld, and invite up to 10 of your favorite coworkers to try it with you. So thanks again to Igloo Software for being one of this week's sponsors. What do you think the um, business model is there? Because I have to say, I've never been able to work out what it is. I mean, basically, um, I'm not sure why Bloomberg and Reuters have a consumer-facing division, because you know we think it's a big ask to get people to trade up from reading free stories that we put on the web and on Facebook to a $130 a year subscription. But I don't think anyone reads Business Week and goes, you know, this is so awesome, I'm going to put down $25,000 for a terminal. <laughs> I just don't see that happening. So so, uh, so why do they why do they do it? I mean, partly it's, you know, it's a branding exercise. It's basically yeah. a form of content marketing. It's an extremely expensive form of content marketing for its terminals, but hey, they've got seven billion a year coming in, so uh, so they could do it. Reuters baffles me even more because Reuters doesn't just put content out there, um, which you know from its terminals, and no one who reads those free a you know free Reuters stories on a website is going to say I must buy a Reuters terminal now. <laughs> um, but what's even weirder is that Reuters gives away the content and in the process competes with its own customers right. because many of its customers buy that stuff in order to put on their websites for free, and Reuters is doing it too. And uh, so I I have to say I you know I really you need to sit down with some people at Reuters and, and, and Bloomberg and say, I'm actually, I have spoken to people at Bloomberg about this and I still, I get different answers from different people, but you know, I'm not quite sure why those companies have a consumer facing uh, division at all when really the money is in the terminals. Well, that kind of, you know, this plays into news app a little bit too, because it's, this is the, the news, the, Publications that may do best in news apps are the ones whose business models are the least connected with anything that makes sense on the on the surface of it. Or, or I mean, well, and he, let's break down and talk about what the Economist, what your plan is to do with uh, with news app, um, because some publications are going to feed everything they do is going to go into news app. Or, or and I, actually, I should back off because Apple's asking everyone who submits who they haven't invited as a partnership or are sent out an advance note to, such as uh, Ben Thompson at Trajectory got a note, a few other people got a note saying, we're going to include your RSS feed for now, you can opt out. Uh, but um, as far as I know, when you go to submit, you have to submit uh, RSS feeds and you have to submit at least two categories. So my, I'm not sure exactly what Apple is going to pull in from them. But in, in your case, in The Economist, you're not going to give everything into news app because that's not your model. No. So what, what we've decided is that we're going to make a selection of, um, of, of articles available each week. Um, and uh, there will be a handful from the print edition. We already make a handful of articles from the print edition available free each week in our app anyway, as a taster. It's called Editor's Picks. And so there's the mm -hmm. cover article uh, is usually there and then three other pieces as well. Um, so if we're already giving those away in our own app, then we might as well put them in Apple News as well. So I, I, you know that would be more the whole idea of giving them away and also giving them away on our website is um, to allow people to see what we do. Um, and then there are other other things. I mean, we already put video um, and audio on Facebook and SoundCloud and YouTube and places like that. Uh, and we're not paywalling that content. So that can all go into um, uh, into Apple News as well, or at least a selection of it. Um, and then there are there are other things too. Uh, we do explainers and charts, uh, which do extremely well. We call them ambassadorial content. And the idea is to sort of, you know, explain to people in a, uh, in a social friendly short format what The Economist does. So we'll do a chart on, you know, which, which countries in the world 
world drink the most alcohol or which forms of plastic surgery are most popular in different this is a very economist thing to do it's a, you know it's a global data-driven humorous take on something um and we put those explainers and those charts um up on facebook uh you know we pretty much put all of them up there uh so they they could all go into to apple news as well without us really giving away more than we're already giving away um on other platforms and so we are we are actually going to put a, a little bit more than that into um into apple news but not a great deal more and obviously we'll be looking very closely uh, but the idea is that if you actually want the the weekly briefing of what's going on in the world which is what the economist sells then you're not you're not going to get that from uh you're not going to get the whole picture from from apple news you're going to get some of the pieces from that but uh but you know if you want the whole thing then uh, we do want you to come and subscribe so uh so we see this as an extension of our sampling strategy and we don't see advertising as a as a big part of this um we'll use the ad slots for house ads i imagine and say you know come over here try out our app that kind of stuff um and interestingly i think uh some of the analysis of, of newsstand has found the same that a lot of the publishers who are um who are contributing to it are, are really doing it for reach and branding they're uh, not seeing a huge opportunity in the advertising so i think we'll just have to see how that plays out and uh, you know what ends up happening well, I've, I've seen when uh, when I was had the magazine, the newsstand. One of the things that was obvious to me by looking at the rankings of the uh, top grossing apps was uh, the magazine. You know, had a modest number of subscribers, and we were all it was all paid. And I could see that a lot of the revenue wasn't coming from for most uh, major publications from the newsstand because the magazine was ranked higher than most publications most weeks. Uh, and that was uh, until we got you know, so our subscription base fell quite a bit. And uh, that I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. That makes me feel like not just uh, it wasn't an indictment of newsstand, but more that people subscribe natively wherever they are, and they have a print subscription, and they get digital, or they subscribe in a website, or they you know there's some kind of connection um, more than I think Apple thought. So the not that they're going to give up subscription revenue, they're thirty percent cut of that from uh, news apps that continue to have uh, in-app purchases and subscriptions, but more that the news app may serve the kind of uh, behavior people are already exhibiting, which is not to subscribe and pay inside the ecosystem, but to see stuff they already like. Um, Jason, did you submit your RSS feeds from Six Colors to, uh, to Apple? I did because as somebody who's uh, you know building a building an independent website, I, I want that I want to be seen. I want to be available, and um, and then hopefully from there uh, find ways to get people to either uh, see my sponsors or support my site through some sort of site support. But at this point, I, I, I'm most concerned with uh, being part of the conversation and being visible. And uh, we'll take it from there. I, I, I'm curious about the Apple News format and what I might be able to do with that and what the iAd uh, process is and whether my uh, sponsorships can be linked to that or not. And that's something I'm just going to have to um, I'm going to have to to watch and learn. But it, it is... Um, it's one of those things that I feel like uh, writing about Apple. I um, I need to be there because my audience will is far more predisposed to use a tool like this than uh, the general audience, and so I, I feel like I need to be there. But in the back of my mind, um, putting on my old MacWorld hat for a minute, I have that question of how do I convert this to, to revenue, and ideally, how do I convert this to um, to uh, uh, people paying me for my content? Um, and 
you know, I, I think that's an open question. And I'm, it may just be that this is step one and Apple provides some sort of gateway to step two, which is, you know, being able to buy subscriptions within the news app in the, in the future. I don't know whether that'll happen. But um, just for my readership, I need to get in front of the people and figure out the rest of it as we go. Um, it would be a shame if I find that there's just no way for me to signal, you know, who my sponsors are and all of that. But um, I, I haven't looked at the terms. We'll see. I, I, you know, like sort of like BuzzFeed in I, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do have a <laughs> weekly sponsor, and they mm-hmm. do get a weekly post in my feed, and so presumably that post would just appear in my feed, and that would be, you know, part of part and parcel of the sponsorship. But you know, Apple has been known to exert uh, themselves with various rules, and it's not beyond Apple to say paid posts from sponsors are not allowed in the feed, and then what? So we'll have to see what the details are. Yeah, this is my concern is which Apple do we get? Which Apple review process? Do we get app review process? Do we get iBookstore, which is terrible? Um, if you, uh, uh, Adam Inks of Tidbits was telling me that one of their books from the Take Control series had a link to an O'Reilly book page in an author's bio and it was rejected. And they had to remove that. Yep. And they didn't even know it was there. It was some oh, old well, how long thing. ago was this? How long the, ago was weeks, this? Weeks, weeks ago. Oh really? Okay, because because you know when the App Store first appeared, Apple was was you know very reluctant to allow any kind of web views in the uh, within apps because um, yes. you know so we had we have things like you know support pages in our in our app and if you if you wanted support or you wanted to you know or our terms and conditions or whatever we just thought we'll stick them on a web page and we'll put a link in the app and you know hardly anyone's going to click on this thing and it will it'll take you to our website but of course our website has a subscribe button on it and has you know other stuff and so <laughs> initially apple was like well you can't do that because people might click on the terms and conditions link and then they'll end up on your website and then they'll go i'm going to subscribe here and then they'll be subscribing through Horrors. the app but without without paying up exactly um and my my perception is that they are they are more relaxed about the fact that you know some web some uh, apps are going to have web views in them and those web views might allow you to reach other web pages that might eventually have a buy button on them that has nothing to do with apple so oh yeah um, they're I, better in the apps this is this is ibookstore so right, apple right, has right. multiple okay. review process so ibookstore is a totally different review process and it's and it's very rigid they clearly use some kind of filter they go through if they see anything they don't like that matches any other bookstore they call it out and and then there's uh you know the podcast process which is essentially to my mind is t- not automated. Somebody looks at it because some button is pressed, but I don't know of any podcast that's been rejected from Apple's iTunes podcast submission process. God, I had no idea there was even a it was a, even a process for podcasts. So, did um, you just so get well? They suck stuff in. They, I mean, they they obviously are spidering. But if you want to add, so when I start a new podcast up, there's a page you have to use the iTunes app in OS X, and there's a process right. where you submit it. And then within a few days, uh, all my podcasts have been universally accepted. And I don't know anyone who's had to do that where that's been an issue. So so that'll be the issue: is what are they going to? What process will they use? And will they be you know Jason? Were they going to review your posts and say? Oh no no! That six colors post. Our machine learning algorithm said there was an ad in it, so we flagged it. And if you get two flags, we dump your RSS feed. We, yeah, we this don't is, know if do that. That's the great. That's the great mystery. Is are they watching? Because because I, and I looked at the terms, and I think one of the terms, for example, I could put my sponsor's text ad, which is a single line that appears on every post that I have on the site for a week. I could put that in the body text. I assume from my reading of their terms that that's against the rules that they they don't want you to do that and they could remove you from the from the app if if you do that. Are they watching? Do they care? I don't know. But then if I abide by the rules, then what do I do? And do is my native post that comes from the sponsor is that allowed? Is that Are you are your podcasts that have sponsors in the audio and you have a page <laughs> that has the audio a closure in the RSS yeah. feed, will that not be included if there's sponsors in it? 
I mean, that, that's a more extreme case that, that, that would seem like it would be a lot harder, but who knows? But this know. this yeah. is the mystery of this. If you're a publisher working with Apple, um, you know, what the rules are and how they're enforced, just like if you're a, an app developer, it's always a, a question. You know, I want to broaden and talk about the, I think, um, you know, Six Colors, you have uh, sponsors and traffic and your known commodity having come out of uh, Macworld and IDG, uh, you know, Twitter following. People know who you are. And Tom's at the scale of The Economist. It's a multinational, you know, best the best newspaper in the world. Uh, say as a contributor, I'll agree. It's the best newspaper in the world. Uh, I, I have a subscription, in fact. Um, but so there's this, you know, you guys are these huge scales. I, the, the When blogging first became kind of a thing, there was this whole, it's going to be the democratization of content. And then, of course, the power law curve kicked in. And, and I can put a link in the show notes to Clay Shirky's, uh, I don't know, it was 2001 article I refer to all the time that, that has basically played out is that the big blogs got super big and there was a long tail of a billion blogs that get one, you know, reader each. And I wonder does this do anything, does this have the potential to democratize uh, once again and maybe create some winners so there's more people in that that big head who didn't get attention before the news app, but does this kind of process have the, attention, have the ability to let people discover many more news sources than they would through any other, you know, the because the web is a bad discovery mechanism. Everything is a bad discovery mechanism. Could news help discover more smaller news sites or blogs or, or a diversity of views? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this whole idea that the the uh, you know that the 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 head of the tail gets gets steeper and the tail gets longer. Um, I'd be quite surprised if Apple um, ended up democratizing this. I know they're talking about using curators, uh, but you know we see this phenomenon in lots of areas. We see this in music as well. Uh, that you know the biggest bands uh, do better and the and then everyone else does worse. Um, and you know I, I think I think Apple is. Um, Apple is actually about, um, you know, it, it does this with its products. It focuses on a small number of products. It makes as few things as possible and, uh, uh, and pushes them and makes as hard as it can and d makes them as good as it can. So I think Apple is actually sort of tends to tends to uh, tends to push uh, ecosystems in the other direction. I'm not sure that it is, uh, um, you know, a democratizing force in that way. It's going to look for excellence everywhere, and it's going to it's going to um, single it out. So maybe they'll they'll make some discoveries, but um, but ultimately, you know, they wanted to get some big brands on board. Uh, they wanted to get some uh, some name bloggers on board, and I think the uh, the places where people are going to break out are, are still going to be in the you know, the undergrowth of, of social media and, and not in these kind of shiny, beautiful apps. Let's pause for just a moment so I can thank our sponsor, Red Hat, one of the folks bringing this podcast to you. What does it mean when every commercial bank in the Fortune 500 relies on Red Hat for enterprise software, or every department in the executive branch of the U.S. government, or every airline in the Fortune Global 500? It means that more than 90% of all the companies in the Fortune 500 understand the value of supported enterprise open software for their business. If the value of open source is rapid innovation, freedom, and interoperability that comes with community-powered technology, then the value of Red Hat is taking responsibility for that technology, testing it, enhancing security, and certifying it'll work in your data center. What's Red Hat doing that makes such a big difference? Well, it's simple but simple is not easy. They make sure you can get the benefits of open source without the risk of doing it all yourself. No one else can make that promise, much less keep it. So visit redhat.com to see how they can help your enterprise with application development, storage, and cloud computing. Red Hat, different for the sake of better technology. And thanks to Red Hat for being one of our sponsors this week.
So part of the reason I ask about discovery is Apple is, you know, talking about it's using a machine learning algorithm. And uh, and then there was a, a bunch of clamor on Monday because they posted and then I think has removed an Apple News editor position. Uh, I don't know how many yeah. people are hiring for that. So, uh, you know, who will help discover and push enterprise stories and long form and, and all this, uh, you know, do editorial operations to shape what comes out. So the machine learning part, um, uh, in fact, The Economist had an excellent uh, feature recently about deep learning, which is uh, an how, how that's all been developed. Their idea is they're going to have a million topics that they're going to be uh, having trained their system on. It's going to automatically care, uh, categorize stuff. So just like we've all been wowed recently by Google Photos, you upload things, you type in fish, and I see pictures of fish. I type in cow, and it brings up a cow doll and a picture of my children, your cows. Uh, so too, if I type in cow in Apple News, it will bring up pictures of my children. No, it'll bring up uh, stories about cows. And um, so that's, uh, it's they push that. Do you think people People, how do people figure out what they want to read? This has been the ongoing question in, in my life for the last 20 years. Well, actually, Apple's doing this in music as well. So the music, mm-hmm. um, Apple's, Apple's hired a bunch of people. Um, it's taken quite a few people from Radio 1, notably Zane Lowe, but actually other people as well. So it's hiring um, people to curate music. It does have a what they call an editorial staff that curates the App Store and does the picks of the week on the App Store. And in fact, they have you know what we in the news business recognise as a church-state divide between those people who are the editorial curators of the App Store and the uh, commercial side of the App Store who actually, you know, talk to the um, to the app developers and, and approve or don't approve the apps and, and so on. So I think Apple is it recognizes that when you have an enormous sea of stuff, whether it's music or apps or news, um, that you can't just use algorithms, or they at least would prefer not to, and they would like to have a, a layer of human curation right at the top. So that the front page of this app is going to look nice. It's always going to have interesting stories. It's not going to have, you know, a correction by mistake or, a, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, sometimes you get weird things on Google News and, and uh, that's not going to happen. Um, and so that will mean that there is there is very very good you know polish to the to the product but at the same time um, they want to have an absolutely enormous number of things going in there and being uh, filtered and you be able to find your interest so then they're going to use machine learning um, uh, for the for the tail so um, I, I think there's a consistency to, to what they're doing here and uh, you know I don't think you have to choose one or the other I think having a um, machine learning for all those categories and, and humans for the front page makes total sense I think it's a dangerous game because I'm not sure Apple is truly a company that is expert at, at this kind of content, but it is the game they're playing in music. And so uh, if they want to make news an interesting curated experience, again, I think I think that's very Apple to think of. They're thinking of their users and, uh, you know, their customers and presenting something for them. Um, from the other side of it, I ask the question, which is what, you know, what do the publishers get out of this other than playing ball with Apple? And I think that's that's an, uh, an open question. And it's going to be different. If you're a very large publisher or a very small publisher, you probably have more to gain than if you're one of those publishers that's scraping in the middle and trying to find ways to, you know, to stay in the black. Uh, and here's the here's the key question. We've been talking about it from the publisher standpoint because we all know how to publish stuff. We're all we're all we're all right. I mean, we're all writers. We're all editors. We're all. Uh, uh, I know Tom, you're tech, you're on the you're not on the business side. You're on the on the editorial side, but you work a lot. You have to cross the aisle to talk to people about uh, about business. And uh, and Jason runs his own site. I ran a magazine for two years. Um, we think about this from all these different aspects, but we're all readers also. And uh, I wanted to bring up what I thought is the the best of breed thing I use right now, and then how news might fit into that. I use Nuzzle. That's N-U-Z-Z-E-L. Yes. Um, it's the first thing I've put on my phone that I let 
buzz my phone in like two years. I don't let anything <laughs> notify me, and Nuzzle does, and I've got it set. So it's a social. Tom, do you use Nuzzle? I don't know if it's come. No, but people keep. I was I was fooling <laughs> I was fooling around with some Python scripts the other day. I, I wanted to write a Python script that would scrape the twenty five most recent tweets from all of the Economist journalists, um, and uh, and then sort them and see which were the most tweeted. Uh, so I did, and I, I sent the results to my colleagues and said, look, we could point this script at a group of people, you know, the world's 100 greatest sportsmen or greatest economists or, or whatever. Um, and they said, oh, yeah, it's a bit like Nuzzle. And I it is. So, so, uh, so, so I seem to have reinvented the wheel. Actually, Nuzzle does something slightly cleverer, which is, you know, what are, what are, Mark, what are the people Mark Andreessen follows? No, it's the other way around, isn't it? What are the uh, Mark Andreessen's followers talking about or, or whatever? But anyway, I think, I think using it's essentially... It's kind of what Apple's doing again, because it's a mixture of um, of algorithmic and there's a layer of human curation at the top. Mm -hmm. I think I, I think I once heard Jack Dorsey talking about this, where he was saying that um, you can have kind of sandwiches of um, of curation and algorithm. Uh, and if you think about Twitter, you have basically the stuff being posted in at the bottom is you assume being posted in by humans, and then you have an algorithm that um, that sort of uh, sorts uh, enables you to find things or, or, or uh, basically puts together a list of, uh, of of stuff from your your followers and then you but you also get to decide who you follow um, and so he was being asked about you know should we always have algorithmic or human curation but he was saying you can actually have a sandwich with with uh, with both sorts combined I totally agree with that. That's what I thought. With Google's big mistake, uh, as, you know, while they're making billions of dollars, I say it was a mistake, um, just like with Apple's mistakes. Uh, while they were massively profitable, they uh, were so algorithmically focused in their early years, and Yahoo, Yahoo often had an algorithmic layer and then editors on top. And so I thought Yahoo often produced something that was more desirable but not as exhaustive, and Google produced something exhaustive but not as as organized. And you can see, you know, Google News get editors. So the, I guess the question I'd ask here is, you know, having uh, Nuzzle existing in the world and, and surfacing um, everything from people I follow, I can get it surfaced and, and processed and things that reach a threshold. It says, hey, this might be something you're interested in. And 95 out of 100 times it is. Are you, either of you, you know, Tom, are you going to use news app? Does it appeal to you? Will you recommend it to people based on what you know? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what it's like because I've, I've tried these various apps. I really loved Flipboard version one. Uh, mm -hmm. Flipboard version one was awesome because it did a totally different job from what Flipboard does now. Flipboard version one essentially grabbed your um, the most recent bits of your um, social feeds and made them into a finishable magazine. Yes. So it, it allowed you to kind of do a finite scan of social media and you would you would say oh what's going on on social and then you'd, you'd open up flipboard and you'd get you'd flick through this kind of 20 page magazine and you'd be able to like and comment and read and do all the stuff you do but then you'd get to the end you go there that's enough social media right back to work or whatever you were doing and that was genius because it made this infinite stream model of of, of social into a, into a finishable product this is what the economist does we make the infinite stream of news the infinite amount of information into a finite finishable bundle that you can actually get to the end of um so i really really like that and then of course they added all this other stuff to flipboard like verticals and blah, 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 and it completely lost that original thing. Anyway, so I love that. I quite like smart news at the moment um, because with a somewhat dubious, I think, legality, um, it scrapes <laughs> masses and masses of content before you get into the, into the subway and you can then read everything underground. Um, oh. And there are no, no pictures <laughs> and no ads. And uh, yeah, it's a very similar model to Flipboard, which is, hey, we'll offer to um, give you a cut of the ad revenues if you... Um, promise not to sue us roughly i think i mean that's basically the proposition from from flipboard as well i think um so so they they wanted partnerships but they also wanted insulation against um any sort of um, legal repercussions so, uh, because i think i think they're in a gray area anyway so i quite like smart news for that reason and i think um you know basically apple could do a better job of uh, of this than both of those apps so i'm looking forward to seeing it but obviously i've got to go and get nuzzle now so um 
Now you have your computer trust. Yeah, Je- Nuzzle. You're a Nuzzle user, so yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, Nuzzle, Nuzzle is great, and I, I think, uh, I mean, first off, I think Twitter should buy Nuzzle because um, what Nuzzle is doing is essentially harnessing the power of Twitter and Facebook to float news up to the top, and um, it's a good idea, and why Twitter, this is one on the list of things for the new Twitter CEO, it's like, <laughs> why are you not doing this? This why is an amazing uh, set of, uh, of data that you've got about who's passing links around, and that the creates... The, you know the links are the currency. Um, Apple, I'm I'm interested to see whether what's algorithmic and and what's um and what's curated and how it, can they can Apple create something that's like a newspaper? And I, I think Tom's point is a real really good one, which is can you ever feel some sense of completion, um, or is it yes. just endless and you're falling into the abyss? Because um, I I think and Glenn, you and I have talked about this with your your adventures with the magazine. One of the ways people become dissatisfied with content is feeling that they can't take advantage of of it, that they can't complete it. Yes. And like the number one reason somebody cancels a magazine. And it's not because they don't like it or find it valuable, but because they feel guilty that they don't read it all. <laughs> and so um, the solution in many cases is not to make your magazine longer. It's to make it shorter because then people are happier to get to the end. And I think with something like news and with something like Nuzzle and really with any of this stuff, it goes back to what Tom said about that first version of Flipboard. What you really want is something that you can choose. You, you want kind of the, ma- the newspaper experience, but you want it on your terms and at whatever time of day you're looking at it, but still something that is sort of boiled it down to a manageable amount so you don't feel like, well, I can read five stories, but there are a thousand here that I really should read because that leaves you feeling awful. And it'll be interesting to see whether Apple can up up its game there over over what's been done by things like Flipboard and Nuzzle or whether it's just another bottomless pit of duplicate <laughs> content and all of that. And it's an interesting challenge. Oh I, I, I question Apple's commitment to really, really do this right. Uh, but the power that Apple brings is it's going to be on every iPhone. And so even if it's not that great, it's going to be on every iPhone. And that is, uh, as we saw with the, their kind of lackluster Notes app being used by more than half of all iPhone users, being on the phone gets you a whole lot. Tom and I talked more about completism and finishability in an episode of a different podcast called The Periodicalist that I'll link in the show notes. So thank you. Uh, That's a great discussion. Now we've had the preview of the news app and what it's going to be about that we think. Uh, Thank you, Tom Standage, Deputy Editor of The Economist. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Jason Snell, proprietor of Six Colors and More Color Columnist at Macworld. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Glenn. This has been episode 461 of the Macworld Podcast for June 17th, 2015. We'll be back next week, and hopefully Susie Oak's voice will also be back to talk about OS X 10.11 El Capitan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>